Hello lovers, go to entamopleasurables.com for your slippery needs and get 20% off with the WILD20 promo code. You'll thank me later. Running wild with Christine, sex, success, and other slippery rabbit holes. Welcome to episode 115 with Neil Fox, who is back. Hi, Neil. Hello. It's great to be back. Thank you for having me back. I'm very excited. How long has it been? Well, in in real time uh, or weird world pandemic time, I've got no <laughs> idea. Um, it's been a couple of years. It's definitely been I a know, couple of years. I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. A I lot's happened saying- since. Oh, so much. I was just thinking, uh, we're recording this uh, the weekend before the publishing date, and on Monday is the three years of my book, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, so it must have been two years, because I think it was a year since the book had been out nearly a year when we spoke or something. So Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations yeah. on the third third anniversary. Thank you. And we were already talking about wilderness, weren't we? We were, because it was, yeah, it was on the festival circuit at that time. Yeah. And that since then it's been sleeping, uh, waiting to be roused from its slumber by <laughs> a, a distributor. And uh, that's now happening. So that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Do you want to remind anyone who didn't listen to the first episode? And the link to the first episode with Neil will be in the description. But um, do you want to give us a recap of who you are and what the movie is? Cool. So, yeah, I'm Neil Fox. I am a writer and lecturer and podcaster and I wrote a feature film called Wilderness which is a late 60s jazz romance in the vein of John Cassavetes and yeah it's released digitally uh, internationally in April 2021 so you can get it wherever you get your movies and it's the story of a couple who are hopelessly in love and uh they flee to the coast for a, a weekend, which is, you know, ostensibly to cement their their bond. And through a series of incidents, they start to question whether they are as in love with each other as they thought, and whether this is actually just a complete disaster that's that's going to unravel over this over this weekend. So that's the that's the story. And I won't I won't give away the ending of. It's, it's such a beautiful film. I'm I'm excited for other people to see it because I was lucky enough to see it a couple of years ago already, or whenever you first had the the link to it. And it's beautifully shot. It's yeah, it's a beautiful movie. I loved it. Thank you very much. So thank you. Yeah, it's really exciting that people will see it as well. So. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to work on something so heavily like two years ago and then have it have to like reboost it? Like, do you feel like it's the same movie in your eyes? Because I look at my book and I'm like, this is not, I don't look at the book now the way that I looked at the book three years ago. So how does that change in your mind? Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Because I think you have to get past what what you would do differently. You know, yeah. like, I think when, when I'm talking about it, I have to, I have to try and put myself back in the, in the mindset of the person who wrote it and made it, which was five years ago. You know, I, I wrote it, God, yeah, five and a half years ago, and it, we made it five years ago, and then it was touring. So, I do have to remember that person because th- there's not there's bits of it that I would I would change, and there's bits of it that I think, oh, that you know, wish I'd done that differently, which I think is unavoidable. But yeah, you know, it's it's hard, and it, releasing a film that 
deals very much with kind of relationships and there's a it's a it's an interrelation interracial relationship through casting more than written yeah. but uh, that's certainly a factor you know and it's got a a complicated woman in the lead you know part of me wonders what how that is going to be received now um mm-hmm. and uh but also i you know i wonder what i would do differently if i wrote it now you know based on based on what's what happening. you've learned well yeah because you're always learning aren't you you know yeah um and there's things that you want to do and stories that you want to tell and I feel like it's a I mean I, d- I don't think that it's in any way a negative portrayal I think it's you know I think it's a I think it's a strong portrayal of a relationship and a pretty fair one in terms of the goods and the bads on both sides but it's difficult to tell how it's received and again just how my life and what I've learned and what I've read would feed into that relationship if I were to write it now so I don't know because I went, I'm not writing that now. But um, those are things yeah. I'm thinking about. Yeah, isn't that weird? I I I I totally get what you're saying. Um, because, and if you're listening, we're like tiptoeing around the fact that you're a white man. <laughs> As if my avatar didn't give it away. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's it it's definitely. I feel like in the last two years, or I guess definitely in the last full year. Um, that has been very much at the forefront of like who's telling the stories and whose stories yeah. are they and and who are we to tell them or not tell them or you know and and I'm sure that would permeate like knowing you I'm sure it would permeate in your consciousness of just being like okay how do I sit with this now <laughs> yeah because I think I mean when we talked before we talked about unlearning didn't we we talked about yeah you know, uh, and we certainly talked about the yeah you know the need for white men to to unlearn and also to to not be as vocal, you know, he says on a podcast where he's going to talk for an hour. To a white woman. <laughs> to a white woman. <laughs> um, you know, and it, it, yeah, I think that is, I think I am conscious of that. Um, but, you know, I, and I, I'm kind of excited and ready for it, you know, I'm ready mm-hmm. for what, 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 what audiences who are not white men will, will kind of get to it. And I've, I've had a bit of that on the festival circuit, you know, that I was, so I feel quite confident that what, what I've written and what we've made is is something productive. that it is productive I think because it's messy you know I think it's productive because it's it's not it's, it's a it's a it's a very messy film I think but I want to I want to see what people see in it you know because I, when I write what's next I want to yeah I, I like carrying yeah. that stuff with me you know use the lessons mm-hmm. yeah because otherwise what's the point really and I certainly feel like there's a there's a there's an evolution in that work from the work I can sort of see the progression um but that doesn't matter because someone who doesn't know me is this is going to be the first thing they see they're not going to see all my lessons they're going to see this film and they're going to go you're a horrible chauvinist how dare you um (laughs) but uh yes that is that is what the movie says no I'm just kidding um I mean yeah it's a scary um it's always scary putting out your art um but having had like almost three years of consciously seeing what the movie's doing like in different stages of it must be even more sort of like okay like you know layers and layers and layers of analysis that come in in different ways and in different ways of social consciousness as well yeah and it's probably uh, I think unusual and I was thinking about this the other day because the film has sat there I think that you know Mm -hmm. films take a long time to make and to get out into the world generally speaking but 
what was weird about this one was that it was written very quickly. You know, I wrote it in a few months and we shot it in a couple of weeks and it was edited, you know, quickly. So it was it kind of had a really quick turnaround and then it sort of waited to come out. So it's almost got the same lifespan as another film, but in a really, really a very different <laughs> Yeah. So there's not been a chance to think about it as it's gone on. You know, it's it's it is what it is, and it's always gonna be that. Um and then, you know, seeing conversations particularly about representation of sort of black actors and I'm kind of proud that we've got a representation of a black actor that is I think very unusual um mainly because it wasn't written for a black actor you know um but I think what James does in the film is he makes choices which I haven't seen black actors make in those kind of roles you know he plays to a level of vulnerability and almost patheticness at times which I think is really brave um yes you know so so there's a hope that there's a hope that people will will kind of see that as a as a positive thing um and uh, and the same for for Kat's character you know there's that the, they'll see her choices and I think that it is an actor's movie there's a lot yeah most of the lines I wrote could have been taken they could have been said one of three ways um and they they chose the chemistry and the the, the trajectory that they that they felt was right for those characters so I just blame them if anyone says it's bad. I just blame the actor. <laughs> I know it could My go anyway, like giving amazing, them credit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, if it's good, it's me. If it's bad, it's them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, there's a funny thing that you said in there that uh, there was no time to reflect it while it was being made because I I find um, I've been working on several productions during COVID and during the last year and a half of of changes in politics and social consciousness and activism and everything and it's very interesting watching those changes happen during Mm. um yeah I think you're almost lucky that you didn't have to because it's chaos at the moment (laughs) I'm just watching these uh these showrunners and and directors and producers just kind of like silently shit themselves every day of just like are we gonna be the next worst offensive offensive joke when it comes out eight months ago eight months from now and like blah 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 and it's like really if that's your first concern you're probably not have you probably don't have the right intention or aren't worried about the impact the way that you should be like this is this doesn't seem like the thing we were trying to tell you to do like this is this is not it um but uh but certainly i think it's gonna be an interesting next couple of years and and what comes out and how it comes out and what stories are told yeah yeah i I think that teaching helps me in the sense of like yeah because i'm because i'm a you know working with the next generation uh but also yeah kind of reading and aware of what is what the kind of the shifts are i kind of it's always a bit more at the forefront of my mind what not that i'm involved in that side but what that side is doing you know so again like the, the things to read and and things to to, to learn you know both yeah. kind of to make me a more more understanding person who makes films but certainly a more understanding person who then is is sharing what i think is important to to the students and that's been great in the last three years because you know i sort of say this this is you know and i don't mean this in a in a in a in a, in a positive way for the people involved but but the, the, me too particularly and black lives matter has been really positive in terms of 
access to resources and an abundance of resources that you can share with 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 students so that yeah what I've been saying since I started teaching about the problems with the film industry mm-hmm. are normally just stories you know the stories about that you know about these people who do these things the Weinsteins and things like that and you know but now we have a body of evidence to say it's not just me saying oh you know a bitter old man who makes indie movies the industry sucks <laughs> um, you know uh the, there's a there's a you know these are the people's lives who've been affected by it you know so yeah and the, the being able to point them directly to to examples that are kind of really well resourced and evidenced has has had an impact because it's it certainly shifted some of the the male students that i teach you know mm-hmm. in terms of just that under you know they're just a little bit more reflective of of how they how they are and it's emboldened the you know particularly the female students that i work with in terms of oh okay like maybe there's a space for me you know um mm-hmm. so it, it, it's definitely improved what can be done in education but i think the problem is education like the film industry is run by people who are just worried about covering their own their own ass rather than yeah. actually actually infect, uh, affecting change yeah it's it's such an interesting thing i um you're bringing up like a everyday example from one of my previous uh jobs is there was this like delicate situation on set where they suddenly it was like a very nonchalant scene of going to the bathroom or something and the outfits changed a little so suddenly it was a little more revealing for um the female actress and it was like a whole other conversation that should have been taking place that didn't take place because of this seemingly inconspicuous change of mind of this this director and the men present did not register just there was no moment in which they were like oh this is suddenly more vulnerable there was no and all of the women all of the no matter what our jobs were or how close or far we were from that conversation we were like like no this is why we have intimacy coordinators now this is why you have all these other jobs that like suddenly are there to prevent these awkward conversations between a director who is like wrapped up in other places to not see that and and a female actress who's suddenly like yeah that's not in my contract <laughs> it's not it's not part of something that we discussed mm. um and i it, it's crazy to me that these people that i work with every day that and you know me i'm i am who i am at work or at, at home like there's no way that they don't know what i stand for and what i do and yeah. you know um the, the topics that are prevalent on my mind so i'm looking at these people that i work with every day and i'm like how Yo, I'm yelling at you all day, every day for the last seven months about the things I care about. And you still like are oblivious to this moment because you don't perceive it as a threat. It has never been a threat to you in your body. It has never been something that you would perceive as a vulnerable situation or no one's ever asked you to be in that position. So you don't, it just doesn't. Yeah. And it, it, I was like, oh, fuck me. It's 2021. Come on. Like, uh. Yeah. We do this every day, guys. Like this is our job. We do this every day. Just yeah, it's it's, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, we had that conversation last week, me and Justin, because in our film we have nudity. We have an actress who you yeah. know who goes topless in our film. Um, the man does as well, but um, you know, uh, but uh, but certainly, certainly, you know, we we did say like I hope that I hope that she felt we handled it okay, you know, because we 
yeah, I mean, we had students on set, you know, it was largely, the film was largely made with student crew um, as part of a sort of project. So that what there's, you know, and I remember it, you know, and Kat was fantastic, you know, we talked through all the wardrobe op- options and she didn't like them. So she made a choice, you know, um, that we were like, cool, that's your choice and you're comfortable with it. And we, we did the best we could. But again, part of, part of, part of the learning is not just realizing maybe we could have done more, which I'm sure we could, you know, but also what Kat thought was normal at the time and what she would now want done differently, which I think is really interesting as well. It's not just the assumption that, you know, me as a man could have done, you know, and intimacy intimacy, intimacy coordinates weren't a thing then. We would have had one. Um, yeah. But, but it's like, well, Kat was an actress in a in a feature film and we had a conversation. She knew the story and the script was involved sex and, you know, um, it was a period piece and the, the the period underwear that we got didn't, you know, So, but it's like, to what point did, was she just doing it because that's the job rather than, and you know, so I think it's, it's again, it's kind of, those are the conversations I think we need to be having, you know, and, you know, Kat's still talking to us, you know, she sent us a picture of her new baby last week, you know, and she's, you know, we've, we've hung out a lot. So I, I feel, I feel <laughs> like we're okay. But I still, yeah. I also think, actually, I can't just assume that. I have to question myself. I have yeah. to ask the question. We have to talk about it between ourselves because, you know, yes, that was fine then and we handled it well then and Kat was fine with it. But that's still that's still not necessarily the best way to have done it. To and go, now yeah. we would do it differently, you know. And it's funny because, you know, as much as we do have intimacy coordinators now, they suck. I'm not gonna lie like there's no standard like this is not a personal thing at any intimacy coordinator that I've worked with but it's just there's no tools there's no established way to do this job you know what is this job are you just there to tape modesty underwear onto people because okay that's a thing but also like I, I found myself that day just looking at the actress being like blink twice if you're not okay like you know just like I got you <laughs> and and um it all went out down fine and there was no it, nothing happened but it could have you know and that yeah. stuck with me because I've been in those situations multiple times in the last three years as someone who works with cast on a daily basis um so it's like how do we how do we not only tell the right stories, but also how do we on a day-to-day are handle actual human beings being vulnerable? I think we forget once we walk into the machine, like we think about it as indie filmmakers or, or as uh, artists or writers, we think about it, but then you enter the machine <laughs> mm. if you do. And it's a whole other thing. It is yeah. like systemic you know, even if everyone in it was conscious and great and perfect and, you know, enlightened and woke as fuck, it would still be a harmful system. Yeah. So, yeah, it's such a... Such well, it's a, weird, isn't it? You know, like, it's been so weird in the last, the, you know, I think it, the intimacy coordinators and sort of the post-Me Too era of production mm-hmm. should have changed so much about production. But also, like, the last year obviously mm-hmm. and what's interesting is that it and this this is not just in film i think this is a, a a global neoliberal problem but there was an opportunity there to to change and say actually what yeah. the way we do things is problematic and damaging um and then you know 
it's like, well, no, actually, this is the only way to the only way to do it is this way. And it's like, well, no, that there is another way to do it. But it's like yeah. everyone's just said, no, there isn't. We're going to go back to doing it like this. And it's like, well, and now you're trying to cram, cram, you know, amendments in. And it's like, that's never going to work. That's always going to be a bad fix. Um, yeah. Unless you have to rethink the way that you do things. And this idea that you have to work those hours brutally for that amount of time. <sighs> you know and that's the only way to make stuff it's like come on really and it was so yeah it's so glaring with COVID I think it's like so yeah. glaring that like no you fit in the tests so you fit in the yeah. budgeting for the tests so you fit in the timing for the tests you fit in the quarantine paychecks that you're giving people for two weeks you're surely you could have changed the structure <laughs> like, yeah. like there is proof in the fucking pudding here. Like how many millions did you just add to this production just for COVID safety? Could we not have just rethought this? Like yeah. just in a more humane, like respectful creativity, um, like inspiring way. Like, I feel yeah. like this is just such not the way, like just not the way. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that most people understand that we're in a period of learning in terms of yeah, representation, intimacy, um, and things like that. That, you know, that if there's good faith, that mm-hmm. there's and learning will be part of how we work out how to do this. Because no one knows. I think that, you know, and I think anybody with any understanding of that knows that we don't we don't know how to make it effective intimacy in terms of production but there's good faith that we can work it out together yeah. and make mistakes together. But we're in good faith. We're trying to do this for the actors, for everyone involved, but there doesn't seem to be any like that um, at that level, which again, it's going to be down to everyone else outside the system, making those changes, which will be poorly co-opted at some point. Um, yeah. I mean, there's going to be an awkward shift at some point for sure. Mm. I just, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's funny that in all of this, like in all of the restrictions we go through in our personal daily lives and all the stuff we don't do and all the sacrifices that a lot of people make, including actors and directors and like, you know, living in a different country for six months, seeing nobody else being fully isolated from their families and loved ones. And, you know, we're still producing to a mm-hmm. level that is required by the current capitalistic system, you know, in a way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, and, and for me, what's really funny is, is those moments of consciousness when you're like on a big set and, you know, you're, you're wasting 20 minutes on something, whatever it be, you know, it touches or, or set deck or background placement or something. And you're like, you do realize someone's going to fall asleep to this on their phone. Like, this is what we're making right now. We're not, you know, this, this is, this is what capitalism is making us produce. Yeah. There's probably some value to it, but really it's the background to someone else's boring life (laughs) while they're on their phone. So at what point do we not just like quit the God complex and go like, this is not the, you know, art that's going to live on forever. Yes. It'll be a marker of pop culture. Maybe. (laughs) But it's also, also, it's like, Oh, we can do it like this where we can isolate people for six months without seeing their family or anyone. So what this is great for us, you know, yeah, why we, shouldn't we? <laughs> if it works under these conditions, we don't have to do anything else. And you're like, no, <laughs> no, you know, like just, yeah. Yeah. For, and also, yeah. What, what are they sacrificing for? 
is a, is a, is a is a big you know as someone who sort of has spent a year at home working from home you know but but kind of making stuff and like putting it out into the world and kind of reading and watching stuff it's like i've been really excited by what's the future going to look like and now it's kind of like oh it's going to look the same because yeah everywhere has figured out a way of doing the same thing even more exploitatively on an emotional level than it ever did before like it might be different in Uh terms of the 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 physical safety might be fine but people's well-being is not you know (laughs) at all um considered so yeah which is just you know awful i know and this is a depressing chat already isn't it Welcome to the, why I'm not doing them every week. It would just be sad me talking to a different sad person. No, but I mean, it's an important chat because I feel like there's a lot of, especially like probably your audience of like students and stuff that are like dying to have their shit made. You know what I mean? And like get that call and get the thing. And then they'll end up in that situation where they finally get their thing and they're sacrificing everything around them to make whatever they decided to make. So it's like, like we kind of almost have a duty to prepare people (laughs) in a way for, for, for that decision, because of course you're going to say yes. You've been trying to direct a thing for however many years you get the call. Of course you're going to go and seclude yourself and give up whatever, you know, this is what you worked for, but is this what you worked for? Like, like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, just the latest, like, Golden Globes debacle with the I May Destroy You, which was by far the most marking thing I've watched in the last two years. Like, it was by far the most, like, the thing that I will not forget. The thing that will stay with me is I May Destroy You of the last two years. Nothing else that I've watched will stay with me the way that that will stay with me. Yeah. But, that I mean, there's two things there, isn't there? One is the the problem is that every few years the system awards the thing it should award like every few years so moonlight was the last time where you were like ah finally yeah the the thing that is the best and the most meaningful and the most important and the most beautiful got the got the top thing so but it's like no we're gonna give it to green book actually next time and you're like and arguably parasite too Parasite this year as well, but yeah. you know, yeah. But you know, thinking back to the when Moonlight and everyone's like, it's it's changed, and it's like, well, actually, no, it's not. It's not. It never changes like you think. You know, yeah. it's no surprise. It's no surprise that I May Destroy You was was neglected. I mean, it's an outrage, but it's not as, and yeah. it should be. It should be the surprise, but it's it's kind of not, and it's just depressing that like, yeah, we're in twenty twenty one. There's been something that has obviously been kind of yeah iconoclastic and it's just mm-hmm. you know but but yeah the, anyway <laughs> but the other thing which i think is interesting is is kind of which i guess kind of feeds into a similar thing is that you know the michaela coles are rare you know they are the they are the rarity in terms of just the the, the brazen yeah. ability is just astounding yeah and when i'm teaching i I've got 100 students that I teach. You know, maybe there's maybe there's a Michaela Cole once every couple of years. The majority of them just want to get to the point where they're making the big thing, you know. And this year's been really hard in that sense because I've seen how how for so many of my students that the, the on a practical level the pandemic has put them 
you know, put them in a, in a place where they're like, well, I can't make my film. And it's like, because I can't make it with, in, in their case, 20 people. Yeah. And it's like, no, you can, like you, you can, we, this is a chance for us all to re- re- remake what it, remake what cinema could be, rethink it, re, you know, go out and just make anything. Because if you make something now, the chances of getting seen are much higher because there's no one, Nothing no one's else making to do. much stuff. But they're just yeah. like, well, if I can't make this one story in the way that I've always imagined it, then I can't do anything. And you're like, oh, mm. I see, I see that connection now, because mm-hmm. you see, you see your filmmaking as you being in charge of a crew of a hundred, and telling them what to do. But you, and once you get the crew of a hundred, you will not actually be in charge of that crew of one hundred. Well, we know that. that. Um, <laughs> The ADs are in charge of that, as always, as we know. Um, but do you know what I mean? Even, that's, that's us how... even we are not in charge of that. No <laughs> like... one's in charge. No one's in charge. You're um, like, okay, I can pretend to be your marching band. No one will notice. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, it's true. And it's very interesting because I, just before the pandemic, I worked on the stand for seven months as an AD. It was my first ADN gig. It was a giant gig. It was like seven months on the road, huge crew, crew of 250, ensemble cast, like big names, crazy, crazy shit, (laughs) just crazy shit. Um, And I stayed friends with a lot of like cast and, and, and crew. And we were a family for seven months. We had nothing else but that movie going on in our lives, even pre pandemic. Like we just, that was the fam. There was no one else. No one could understand what we were going through. It was like shooting nine features in a row. Like it's just insanity. And everyone I've talked to since then is like, can we just make an indie in a phone booth with two people <laughs> where like the performance matters? Cause this was clearly like a blockbuster made from a Stephen King book, which it is what I, like what you were saying is like what the what you hope to achieve when you're in film school, but then when you actually get to the everyday, like even the 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 some of the cast were like, oh, I just want to like make something with my buddies now and just you know make something small that that I can that there aren't so that there isn't so much at stake where I have to yeah. be everybody's voice or everybody's body or everybody's yeah. you know there's there's so many other forces at play when you make the big thing that it doesn't end up being your thing yeah it can't yeah. by definition absolutely yeah and it's it, i feel like if you can't if you can't make people see that now mm-hmm. then there's mm-hmm. no chance you know mm-hmm. um that's that i mean that you know that's but i should counter that with obviously that there there has been you know, a lot of the stuff I've been listening to and reading, you know, that there is there is also that. And as always, it's it's smaller, but but for me, much more interesting. And this and there there is a student correlation there as well, where some of them have just been like, you know, I can see that there is a pandemic going on and I'm not gonna wait it out. I'm gonna I'm gonna do stuff. I'm gonna make stuff on my phone. I'm gonna yeah, you know, and it's like great, just yeah, just do it. Um so yeah, I think it's I don't want to be a complete downer um, because, <laughs> you know, because there is great stuff out there, you know, um, yeah. but, but, but th- th- there is certainly that kind of aspect to it. Um, and I still want to see the stand. It's I haven't got that show. I haven't got that channel here yet. So uh, you're going to, I don't know. So many mixed reviews about it. <laughs> I don't know what it's worth. I'm just proud that we made it. 
Like, you know, I'm just proud we survived it and it's out there and it is doing its thing. It's part of the thing. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those where like, it's impossible to put that novel into nine episodes. It's well, was, just not possible. Yeah. I was, t- I've got a, I think, it, I think it's okay to say it's a friend of mine. Um, uh, Alex Ross Perry is adapting the dark half oh, nice. for, for Disney. And um, he was talking about this, you know, um, and he was like, I'm not, you know, adaptation is not always about adapting the book. And I think that the problem is if you're trying to adapt the book, then you're, yeah, you're always going to, you're always going to come up short because you're going to have to, you're going to have to leave stuff out. And if you're approaching it in terms of the text, as opposed to the subtext, for example, you know, yeah, all the you know like the feeling or the theme then it's just what what a task to do um so yeah, yeah. i'm not worried about mixed reviews i'm just i'm curious because you worked on it as well you know i love yeah. i love watching stuff that the friends <laughs> have worked on um it's you know. so funny i was talking to one of the writers and they were just like that they were like you know what the fucking bad reviews you make the stand <laughs> like just oh. go ahead and make it <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> it was yeah it's like yeah i'm not yeah i think that that idea of like, well, you suck and you shouldn't have done it. It's like, well, what could they have done? Someone comes and says to you and, you know, this is the job. You're like, of course you're going to, of course you're going to try and make it work because it's a, that's a great gig to, to, as a writer to, to try and do, you know. And um, it's a great gig for all of us. All of us who worked on that were like proud to be on that in a way, you know, regardless of what came out of it. It's a big story that, that shaped a lot of people like, you know, in, in the sense that it was part of their childhood, it was part of their adult uh, adolescence, yeah. it was part of, you know, it's part of one of those, like, giant works of a writer mm. that that yeah, just yeah. has meaning. And whether you wanted to see a scene in the movie and it's not there, like that, uh, what you going to do, you know? Um, but... Uh, and the thing is, like, you know, you you know when you're, in, you're working on something and I, I, you know, and I know when, when I go and visit friends on sets and stuff, you can tell when something's being made in, in good faith. Or when yeah, something yeah. is, you know, like if everyone's like, actually, we're going to try and make this thing work. Um, there's just that's a different right. energy to it. And that's, it, it's true. That's all you can do because you can't, you can't, even with the best one in the world, you can't always tell whether something's going to work or not. But yeah. you do have to, you do have to be like, we're going to try and make it work. We'll do our best. We believe in it, you know, and that, yeah. I love being on those sets. because It was, it was definitely one of those sets. Like, even if you watch like some of the set dressing, like there is, easter eggs everywhere like every single down to like the last painter and set dresser and whatever everyone was like a stephen king fan or or cared about this particular story and there's you know everyone everyone cared and that was that was the magic of it because i think if we didn't care we wouldn't have survived it (laughs) there's just no physical way to survive that if you weren't in it for some other bigger reason like no money in the world can make you have no life to that level for that long <laughs> it's just not possible <laughs> that's the that's the film industry summed up in a, a very pithy yeah. uh very pithy I, <laughs> yeah but i mean it will have a special place in my heart for that reason so like that that's all you can kind of hope for when you're in it <laughs> well yeah Being i mean yeah just you gotta find meaning where you can and mm-hmm. you know like what's the point you know that's why that's why i say to the students you know like it's it's always really hard like making a film working on a tv show it's like it's hard like 
the labour of it, even if you do reimagine it for as a more ethical and equitable, it's still mm. going to be like it's still going to be at a physical toll. Um, so mm-hmm. you have to you have to find meaning in it, and you have to search the jobs that where you are you have relationships with people that are really meaningful, or you feel like you did your best for something that is like because otherwise it's it's too horrible you know like it, mm-hmm. if you can't find those things then yeah and you know and I know a lot of people like that who've done it for years and have never found that they've never found the crew they've never found the team they've never found the show and they're just like I can't I can't do it and it's like of course you can't because it's miserable <laughs> yeah you know? yeah and I think it's really funny and I think it's really good that that a lot of the conversations about me too and health and safety with covid and black lives matter like all of these conversations when it comes to our industry are actually impacting it because you will not see those asshole actors anymore they just won't work anymore like no no level of notoriety is worth the lawsuits like on a physic on a on a purely like legal and and monetary level we're not even talking about equity and moral stance here there's just so much legal liability that they can't work anymore <laughs> so in a way in a roundabout way the humanity is coming from the like non-humane aspect of it is that yeah, yeah, you yeah. just can't like pr- producers wise you can't afford to have that kind of liability on your cast or crew anymore um and so that's good <laughs> yeah in a way yeah. yeah yeah um but uh but yeah it, it's true i think a lot of things that you imagine about the film industry or you imagine about being a filmmaker and then you get into it, whether it's on indies or not, like no matter how big the scale is, it's like that physical toll. Mm. It's just like under, underrepresented for like the incoming people. Like I see it every day. Like the guy who finished film school and shows up as a PA on set. I'm like, Oh buddy, buddy, you're in for a treat. <laughs> like yeah, I haven't been through there. Just, just hold on. Just only so many more tents and garbages for you. You'll be you'll be right there. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, are you working on anything else? Are you working on the next thing? Yes. And um, well, yeah. Yes. Always working on the next thing. Um, I've got. Yeah, we've kind of got four things. I'm trying to get them into into a shape for when the film comes out, so that. I'm ready to have that conversation. Yeah. One, yeah, they're they're all different stages. One is one, well, one's kind of second draft, one's first draft done, and the other two are kind of treatment stage. Um, and they're all very different. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I am always working on something. And the one that, the, the one that, the, the the most recent one is one I sort of have been developing over the last year, which is the first new thing I've come up with since wilderness um because the others are, are, are much older projects um so i'm really excited about that one um which is a yeah a folk horror um set around Ooh. the music uh, set around the music industry so it's kind of like i don't know if you know the film performance um performance no. meets suspiria is what i'm okay. kind of pitching it as um the new okay. suspiria i really like the new suspiria i like them both but i really like the new suspiria more which is kind of yeah, a heathen thing to say. Um, I was going to uh, say controversial. <laughs> very, very controversial. I love the Argento, but I, I, I re- what I loved about the, the new one. I mean, it looks beautiful, and Tilda Swinton's amazing. But the 
the main the main character she had an agency that she doesn't have in the first one which i just thought was really interesting the way she takes Mm -hmm. over the film which i just thought was really cool um and yeah so those and performances are kind of uh, 1970 mick jagger james fox kind of music industry psychodrama which is fantastic yeah so that's my new one yeah excited to see what happens out of it yeah well you know hoping that yeah this this release will will kind of make that a little bit easier not much easier because it's never that easy but i think but trigger some doors yeah yeah and having someone release someone release the film rather than us i think is a big is a big part of that you know someone who's 100 you know got got a reputation and is a distributor has been that's been a really cool thing so who knows but part the question is always like what should i be writing you know like should i be writing a folk horror or should i be writing a kind of social drama you know it's like what should I be spending my time on? So I've kind of got one of each. So it's like whatever, whatever comes off, I'll have something, something, uh, something ready to go. And what about you? Because you're writing as well. Allegedly, a dreaded question. Isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a horrible question. I know. I'm sorry. I asked it. Um, no, I'm not. Um, yeah. I mean, allegedly, I am. Uh, it, 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 you know, I'm facing kind of a similar thing because um, I don't think I've ever considered. I, we've talked about this before, but I'm a very sort of, even all these years later, foreign to the script world. And I feel like I would need a very good partner into that because I just like, the more I work in it, the more I'm like, I don't care if it's in a room or a parking lot. I actually don't care. Like, I don't care about the interior exterior. Like I, so it's kind of hard to make it good if deep down you don't care. (laughs) Like if deep down you're like, that is someone else's vision, they can add to mine. And that, and, and I think that's sort of a weird thing in the film industry because you were so taught that it has to be all you and that it's not really a team. It's a team once you're on the set, but it's not a team in the concept stage of it. And I feel like I would need a team for that because I recognize that that is not my strength. (laughs) <laughs> I recognize yeah. that that is not something that I can earnestly say, like I gave it my all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, however, on the book front of things, the more time goes on and the more I unlearn, the more happy I am that in the book, I, I, I do say like, Hey, this is like me right now, <laughs> just me right now. It is not me forever. It is not me two years ago. It is not me six minutes from now. It's me right now. Uh, which I'm very grateful for, you know, 2017 or 2016, Christine, for for putting it out there that way. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting because you watch a lot of. I don't know if you saw that these last couple of days on uh, social media, but the um, Sarah Silverman apologizing to to Paris Hilton. No, I did see that. Oh. So Sarah Silverman hosted like the MTV Movie Awards in 2007 and made a horrible joke about. Paris Hilton and happened to see her in the crowd. She didn't expect she'd be there and then like instantly regretted it. And her apology never got to Paris Hilton. And they essentially like all these years later had a moment of being like, that was horrible fashion of the time to make fun of people in such a way, like following all the Britney Spears documentary and everything. Yeah. And, and Sarah Silverman makes uh, um, sort of a, an analogy in her apology of saying, um, or oh, I'm going to be horrible at rephrasing this, but essentially something like, hey, look how much I've grown since then. You know, and I and I'm sort of in a phase. Like kind of like that in 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 my creation and that I'm like, yes, I've, I've grown tons since. But what do I want to say? 
<laughs> like I know what I want to counter of what I've already said, but that's not enough <laughs> of a thing to say. You know what I mean? And I don't think that um I don't think that I know exactly yet. I, I, I function very much on like knowing what the meat of it is. I don't need to know the beginning or the end, but I need to know the meat. And I, and I know the beginning and I kind of know the end, but I don't know the meat of it. And that's like weird in a creative process that's like kind of flipped on its head. So I'm not yeah. sure. I think I'm just learning a lot. I'm learning a lot with all of the sets that I'm on. I'm paying more attention. I mean, as an assistant director, you do have this wonderful, wonderful opportunity to like learn firsthand from directors and actors about the creative process and, and, you know, writers and, and everyone else. Like, yes, I know I learned from the crew, obviously on the everyday, that's most of my job is the logistical side of it. But but there are these like crazy cool nuggets of wisdom. And I think I'm just sponging right now. So yes, right. allegedly I'm working on something, but you know, it's not tangible yet. <laughs> it's a long winded way of saying but, that. Yeah. But I, I, I am of the school that that is working. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think that there's, there's a billion ways to do it. I'm certainly not a, you know, I'm not someone who took that path to be a screenwriter in terms of like as as my job you know i wanted to make films i wanted to i also wanted to write comedy sketches and perform them and do a play and run a space for artists and oh i'll do a podcast now you know like i've always been someone who's followed the whims of of what i was interested in um so and, the, and yeah the, the my time between writing stuff is is quite long and then i look back and and think you know certainly the short I wrote in 2010 and then Wilderness are, are kind of, I think, of a piece, but they're wildly different to what before. And I I was happy to put all that learning into, into that. I yeah. from my job teaching, you know, I learned a lot about the kinds of scripts I wanted to write by teaching the same formula yeah. um, and then telling the students not to follow that formula. <laughs> um, you know, but I think what's interesting is like, I'm, I'm, which is probably a better way of saying what I was sort of going, saying before about <laughs> what should I be writing is um, like, I want to, I want to be the sort of person where the things I've learned are evident in my being and in mm -hmm. my life. Mm -hmm. Maybe more than that. Like I want them to be evident in my work, but I don't want them to be the work, you know. And yes. one, of the I wrote, one of the things I wrote recently was certainly, you know, like everything Neil's learned about the world in the last six months. In a, and it's like no one wants to see that. You know, it's yeah. virtual virtual signaling of the worst kind because it's yeah. like, you know, I'm writing something important and meaningful and relevant. It's like, but unless it's entertaining and unless you're a genuine person, none of that stuff's going to matter. Like people exactly. want stuff to be good as much as they want it to be, you know, not harmful. Um, yeah. so, and I think I think that's a process. You know, I think it's a process of assimilating the learning that we do into the voice that we want to be on the page rather than saying this is what I've learned because then it's just the voice of other it's the voice of what I've read it's not my yeah. voice it's, it's, it's me saying you know look how look how woke I am um, <laughs> which you know as a, as a straight white man is not not a cool look um, but even as a queer white woman I'm, I'm still you know and I'm sort of I, I'm, I'm echoing everything you're saying because it's true like you <sighs> the paralysis that is there with creating in general is like 15 yeah. times stronger right now because not only are like oh, on the petty level some people are probably like when can I say that's not going to be canceled in six months 
but also like, what do I care to say? Like, what do I care to say? And what do I, what, like, kind of like my last question of the podcast, like, what do I wish I had known? Like, what do I wish that was shouted at me that would have made my life better and easier and, and funner and whatever the, you know, objectively better thing is uh, for you. So it's, it's a interesting time, but I think, like you said, it's, it's the learning phase. It is the learning phase. Um, it's always the like, learning phase, isn't it? Like that's yeah. the thing. Like if we're if we're alive, we should be learning in some form. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, that's certainly how I what I think. You know, like I want to be better yet today than I was yesterday. Um, yeah, and I can only get that by learning stuff. Yeah, and I feel like yeah, and, and I was talking about this with an actor the other day who wants to direct, and I was like, oh, I really want to be on a Michaela Cole kind of set just to witness it. But I also feel like. Well, the white man sets I've been on have taught me very distinct things, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm, I'm just picking and choosing what, um, yeah. what's out there and, and what could be done differently or what, like, yes, this is the way to do that. You know, that little yeah, thing, yeah. like the one thing, that guy or that person or, you know, whoever, they've got that right. Yeah. But the Michaela Cole set is the Michaela Cole set, you know, and there's going to be yeah. stuff from that set. There's going to be stuff from the, the white men's set that's going to make you make your set. And there's going to be stuff that you that's the christine wild yeah yeah you know and that's i think that's where so many it's hard to it's hard to get there without going through it but i think it's certainly where you know people people fall down as they're trying to recreate you know and that's just disingenuous and also it's never going to work because it has to be not you yeah it's not you yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, since we are at right about that time, what is a what is a new thing that uh, you wish you'd known? What you know, two years down the line, what's the what's the thing you wish people told you or that you instinctively knew sooner? In what sense? Like, because I've answered this question, like about anything, just in general. About or? anything. What's the thing that's on your mind lately that you're like, fuck? How did I learn that just now? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I wish it didn't take me a pandemic to realize how, how destructive my job was to me and my mental health, you Mm. know? So, I mean, just every year ago, pretty much I was on the verge of being signed off from work teaching. Um, you know, literally I was crying in my office. I was just dreading going in. I was just overwhelmed and I spoke to a very good friend colleague who was like just you have to get signed off you have to you have to step back you know and then a week or so later we got um told we couldn't go in and I worked from home and I saw my three-year-old every day and I was with my wife every day and I worked for like four or five hours a day because my wife was working from home as well we had no childcare, so I was looking after Tessa in the morning and then we would sort of spend a bit of time together all together and then I would go to work and I was like wow I'm I'm still getting everything I need to get done in four hours as opposed to the eight hours that you know uh, everything that matters that is not everything I was you know everything that matters Mm -hmm. and I was just like I can't believe that I can't believe it got to that stage where I was so miserable and so Mm -hmm. unhappy and so exhausted by the the job you know which Mm -hmm. and I just all my my understanding of it was so out of whack and the the first particularly the first half of the lock the 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 lockdown year in england um certainly you know was 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 a great time in so many ways you know we'd lost um we'd lost two pregnancies early in the year 
which was contributing to that. Mm. And we were just together, you know, we were just like, we were just all together every day. The weather was great. And yeah, I just felt very grateful. And it was hard because obviously it was a weird time to be grateful. Um, yeah. considering what was going on. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what, that's what I wish. I wish I didn't need, I didn't need all those people to die for me to know that I have to think differently about my job. Um, but I do yeah. know, you know, like it's afforded me the time and the space to, to, and I'm in a much better place because I'm able to, I'm able to go into the day with a much clearer understanding of what I need to do and how to just let it go at the end. You know, this is my wage and you know the film coming out helps that you know writing a book helps that um doing the podcast helps that you know having these creative outlets which are like this is who I am and then my job is my job and I'll do my best but it stays it stays when I shut my Microsoft Teams (laughs) stays stays in in the team I think that's such a such an important lesson and yeah I think we're like we'll resonate with a lot of people I mean, it's tough when, I think it's especially tough when your job is related to your creative outlet because Mm. you don't necessarily reflexively separate them, you know, like it's like, oh, I I feel that I relate to what you said because like once I'm in the job, I'm in the job and the job is the job and it's all I have and that's what I do and that's who I am. But no, it's not who you are. (laughs) This is a very distinct line here. (laughs) (laughs) FYI. (laughs) And so, and uh, yeah, it, it sucks to have to have to have to learn it that way, but now we've learned it. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited to be able to plug your movie once it's out for everyone to see thank you so much yeah i appreciate yeah appreciate the chance to just spend some time with you again and yeah it's a nice chance to to plug the movie yeah absolutely so anyone listening if uh um if you have any comments or questions for neil or i you know where to find us um always there and uh thanks for listening to another um episode of running wild with christine and i will speak to you all sometime soon I'm not going to